Welcome to the LifeSpring Church Podcast. May the Word of God be a blessing to you. Connect with us and consider giving online at lifespringchurch.us. We're going to go to our Bibles today and we're going to start with Scripture. Seems like a good thing to do at church. Start with Scripture. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16 is where we're going to begin. They say the shortest verse in the Bible is, you may can quote it, Jesus wept. It can't be by number of words, it has to be by letters. This 1 Thessalonians 5.16 would tie it for the number of words. Rejoice evermore. That is a verse in and of itself we could preach on, but I'm not going to preach on that verse today. Rejoice evermore. Verse 17. Pray without ceasing. Maybe we should take 1 Thessalonians 5 and just go verse by verse. <clears throat> verse 18. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Can I begin today and just tell you I know the will of God for your life? If you're wandering around and you're saying, I don't know what God wants for me. I don't know the will of God for my life. I need direction from God. I'm lost. I need someone to help me find my way. I'll tell you exactly what the will of God is for you today. Give thanks. And there's no conditions applied. Amen. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing for the word of God. Just be people who give thanks. Thankfulness is perception. Back in 1988, a Polish railway worker by the name of Jan Grzebski was hit by a train. He lived, but only, barely, did he live. In fact, for 19 years... He laid in a coma until 2007. In 2007, Grzebski awoke to a whole new world. 19 years previous, Poland was a communist state. Grzebski noted that back then meat was rationed and there were huge lines at every gas station. And as he could be quoted to say, there was only tea and vinegar in the shops. But 19 years later when he woke up, it was a free nation. And he was quoted as saying, people on the streets with cell phones and there are so many goods in the shop, it almost makes my head spin. Imagine the shock of working one day in a communist state, you have an accident and your next moment of consciousness is the technology revolution, your past Y2K, it didn't wipe us out. Cell phones, I mean, 1908 there was mobile phones, but there weren't necessarily cell phones. I mean, you had the, the big bag phone that you set the middle console up in your car and you set that bad boy in there and you plugged it into the car. No, now there's people walking around with these little microphones in their hand talking. What a culture shock. Grzebski was somewhat puzzled. He's quoted as saying, what amazes me is all these people who walk around with their mobile phones, and yet all I hear them do is moaning. These people had freedom and food and wealth greater than Poland had had in decades. And yet, when he awoke from his coma, all he found was, in his words, all they wanted to do was grumble. Thankfulness is perception. In the third chapter of Ecclesiastes, you can read, and it says there are times and seasons. There's times for mourning, there's times for laughing, there's times for building, and times for tearing down. 
There's times for embracing and there's times for refraining. You may say, well, when would you refrain from embracing? Well, anybody remember a few years ago, and I hate to bring back COVID PSD, but nobody wanted to hug in 2020. However, there is one expression in life. There is one heartfelt emotion in life. There is one attitude or perspective in life in which there is no season when it's out of place. Now, I am no fashionista, but they tell me white shoes have a season. As a teenager, when I was a Middle school and high school, it's probably more middle school. There was this thing where you would take your blue jeans and you'd crimp them together and fold it over and tight roll those bad boys up a few rolls. I'm telling you, I, I'm not, probably not an expert when it comes to fashion, but I think that season is past. If you're still tight rolling your pants, hello, it's not 1995 no more. Yet, there is a season in which this characteristic of us in humanity is always in place, always has a right time for it. There is a position of gratitude that is always in season. More than just November, more than just the fall season or the autumn season of the year, but in every season and at all times, we should do the will of God and be thankful. We should be thankful in every season. Somebody say amen. amen. Be thankful in every season. And that's what we're talking about today. When life is good, you should be thankful. When life is blessed, we should be thankful. When life is going smooth and it seems like we've got it all captured by the tail and under control, we should be thankful. When your family is near and close to you, we should be thankful. But when situations turn and trouble arises, we should be intentional, we should be focused, we should, with purpose, maintain our thankfulness. If being thankful is the will of God, and it is, we read that, then the will of God doesn't change when the perception and life events on earth change. The will of God continues in our lives, and we must continue being thankful. So this tells us when life is hard, dig in, get some grit, and say, I'm going to be thankful. When life is unfair... I'm going to find something to be thankful about. I'm going to continue to be thankful. When we experience loss or there's brokenness in our lives, we should be thankful because in every season and at all times, we should be thankful. Psalms 118 and 1 says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, because His mercy endureth forever. There are some individuals who struggle with appreciation. And they struggle with thankfulness. We were in a situation at one time and we were going in a circle group asking people to, to share a time with, or something that they were thankful for. And we, we got to an individual in the group and just no answer. I was a little blown away. Nothing? Let me help you today. If you have zero things to be thankful for, you can go to Psalms 118 and verse 1, and I'll give you two. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good. That right there is reason enough to be thankful, because God is good. 
His goodness flows rather regardless of what the enemy is doing about us. His goodness flows regardless of what the, the world is doing around us. Politics don't play into God's goodness. Family dynamics don't play into God's goodness. Your employer can't impact God's goodness. He's good no matter what. And because of his constant and consistent goodness, I must be thankful unto him. You can every single day at least find one thing that God's been good to you about. My uh, second motive today, my first motive today is to speak to us that we should be thankful in every season. My second motive today is I'm going to slaughter the sacred cow of sour-faced Christians. If there's anybody that should be thankful, it should be those who serve the greatest of all greats the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. If we can't be thankful for our salvation and we can't be thankful for the love of God, we need to look in the mirror and get an adjustment going on. Because He is good. He is good. He is good. God's never done me bad. I can write a list of people who's done me bad. I can write a list of corporations or companies who've done me bad. I can write a list of life circumstances that I've had to live through and endure and work my way through that have been, quote unquote, bad. But I've never had an experience with God where I walked away and said, man, God just did me dirty. There's even lists we can write today of when churches have done us bad. And church people have done us bad. But God didn't do you as bad. Pause. The reason churches do people bad and people in church do people bad is because we're all people. If you're in church and you've never disappointed somebody, get involved. We don't have parking attendance, but maybe we need to get there if we keep growing. I'm excited about that opportunity. But man, even parking attendance can get people ruffled up. I've seen it, man. I want to park right there. That's my parking spot. Exactly. I don't see your name spray painted on it, and there's no painting on the church property. God is good. I'm being a little lighthearted today because I want us to see God is good to us. Sometimes we get so consumed in the cloud and in the moment that we're in that we lose perspective of what's really going on around us and the goodness of God because of all the gloom that's in our world. We, we just get covered up and we, we miss the fact that the sun's still shining. God's still good. Oh, give thanks in the Lord, for He is good. That's reason number one. Let's double it. Two reasons to serve and be thankful unto God. Because His mercy endureth forever. Do you know why the second reason for praising God is so important? Because in all of God's goodness, it shows to us that we are not as good as God. <laughs> Will all the perfect people stand up? If it wasn't for the mercies of God, we'd all be consumed. If it wasn't for the mercies of God, we'd all be separated. We'd all be wandering and lost on our own, trying to find a way to be saved. But we don't have to find a way or make a way to be saved. We just have to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be obedient to the gospel message and let Him become our Lord and Savior. Amen. His mercy endureth forever. If God's been merciful to you in the past, I'm going, to give, I'm going to give you a promise. He'll be merciful to you today. And if he's been merciful to you in the past and today, he'll be merciful to you tomorrow. That doesn't mean you get to go and make all kinds of mistakes with intention of testing the lengths of God's mercy.
Let's put that in an analogy because some people don't grasp that concept. If you're married and your spouse loves you, there have been times that they've looked at you and had to say, I forgive you. Now, if you know your wife's or husband's willing to forgive you, your spouse is willing to give you forgiveness, that doesn't mean you wake up the next day saying, well, I can just mess up as much as I want because they'll have to forgive me. You tell me how long that works out. And if we're in love with God, we shouldn't treat God with his mercy as a get-out-of-jail-free card. Yes, his mercy endureth forever. But should we continue in sin that grace should abound? God forbid. We should not continue, but we should be thankful and appreciative that his mercy is always there because you're human and I'm human, and we all have those moments. We've all had those experiences where we've needed the mercy of God to come to us. And God didn't show up with an empty basket. And God didn't show up with a list of prerequisites. He just said, I come to give you mercy in your time of need. And that's a reason to be thankful today. Amen? Because of His goodness and because of His mercy, we can worship God. So if anybody ever asks you a question, why are you thankful? You now have two answers. I'm thankful because of God's goodness, and I'm thankful because of God's mercy. <clears throat> As people who walk with God, we, we trust God. We have put our faith completely in the plan and the will that God has for our lives. That's part of the surrender to God. It's part of living for God. I think language is intentional. We live for God. We don't live with God. We have a lot of Christians who live with God, which is a completely different dynamic than if you live for God. God's not a roommate. God's the landlord. Me and God don't share opinions. God sets the opinion and I live according to his will. God directs my life and I walk in the paths that he directs me. I love it when his direction and my direction are going the same way. And I surrender when his direction and my direction are at odds. <laughs> we follow him. He leads us. That's what it means to be a disciple. We are followers of Jesus Christ. This is what it means to be a Christian. We talked about this. We live lives representative of Christ. And so this is who we are. And because of this, we can be thankful when the sun is shining. But we also, because of this, can be thankful when darkness exists. Anybody here get, ah, uh, calling you out. Anybody here ever get scared in the thunderstorm? We got one that gets scared in thunderstorms, a couple. Can I remind you that there's thousands of feet of atmosphere above those storm clouds? There's a lot happening beyond the clouds. We get consumed and worked up with what's happening below the clouds. And there's good reason, I mean. I've never wrestled a tornado, and I ain't interested in starting. I've never tried to control lightning, and I don't think I would win. Just a few months back, we had a fairly strong windstorm, and I didn't like the cleanup process. Storms have, have power that's beyond our ability to manage and maintain. So there are times when we, we are uh, cautious and fearful and very aware of when the storm comes and when the darkness comes. But I want to tell you, there's still a God that's in control. In the physical world and in our lives, spiritually and emotionally, when the storm comes, God is still in control. Isaiah wrote in chapter 45, 
in verse 7. I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create evil. I, the Lord, do all these things. This is kind of like a flex on God's behalf. I think the, the language here is, is powerful. Verse 7, I form the light and create the darkness. How did light come into existence? The voice of God. Let's take a science lesson real quick. There is no such thing as darkness. There is only, in a scientific perspective, the absence of light. Another analogy, or another scientific principle that goes along with that is there is no such thing as coal. There is only the absence of heat, energy. You remove energy, heat, or you remove energy, light, you're left with the absence of those things. Darkness and cold. So there is no creating or, or forming of darkness, but when God says, I create darkness, he's saying, I have the ability to remove light from a situation. There's a reason I'm pointing this out in this detail, because if you're in a dark place today, it's not a surprise. It's not happenstance. It's not a mistake. It's intentional. You're in a dark place today because God allowed the light to be removed from that moment where you're living. And we'll talk about that in a little bit more detail in a minute. But God knows right where you are. God understands the darkness. God's not afraid of the boogeyman in the dark. God's not scared of when the light goes away. What does God do when darkness shows up? He just begins to talk. Let there be light. I've said this a hundred times, but I just think it's powerful, so I'm going to say it again. Nobody showed up at church today, turned on the light switches, and went in the closet and got a shovel and started moving all the darkness out. John chapter 1 teaches us that he is the light, and the darkness comprehended it not. That's a scientific principle. Light is more powerful than darkness, period. You can get you a fiber optic cable, a single strand of that little fiber optic cable, and run it into the darkest of rooms and put a light on the other end. And whoever's in the darkest place, they could slap themselves and not even see it coming. But if there's that little fiber optic light in there, that tiny little pin of light, it's going to radiate. They're going to see it. The darkness can't stop it. Light always overcomes darkness. The only reason we understand that darkness exists is because light exists. The only time we can understand that we're going through a dark time or a dark valley is because we've been living in the light of God surrounding us. So we shouldn't be depressed or, or we shouldn't give up on our thankfulness when dark times come or, or difficult moments come. We should just realize the light's still shining. I'm just in a moment. It's not by mistake. God knows right where I am. Can you measure darkness? We try. We use words like I was in a bad situation. Which means, yeah. And then we'd use words to describe other situations. Well, I was in a terrible situation. We try to describe 
how bad bad is. Oh, I was in a real struggle and a real battle. Oh, I'm going through tribulation. It's just massive. You don't measure darkness. You don't measure darkness. In my job, we uh, go around and we, part of security reasons for our ATMs are, we measure how much light is around uh, an ATM. We don't measure how much darkness is around an ATM. You measure the light. Why do you measure it? Because there is no measurement for darkness. You measure the light in lumens. How many lumens of light are shining in this space? We measure the light. I'm telling you this today because I want you to get the idea and the concept. Our thankfulness is related to the light in our lives. And just because it's dark doesn't mean we give up on our thankfulness. We continue to be thankful no matter how dark it gets. Because God is always with us. God never leaves us. He never forsakes us. He said, I make peace and create evil. Would you allow me the liberty today to apply a physical science principle to a spiritual application? I don't think you can say that evil is created. I think we can apply the same principle today. Evil exists because of the absence of peace. That's why we're called to be peacemakers. Not peacekeepers. Peacemakers. We should be those who create peace. We should be those that walk into chaos. And instead of being consumed by the chaos, we bring the spirit of God with us. We've all experienced what happens when you try to keep peace. You get wrapped right up in the chaos. But if you decide, I'm not going to get involved, I'm just going to be peace. I'm going to keep myself at peace. I'm going to be an ambassador of peace. And I'm going to speak peace. Today is really about more than just a holiday season. Today's message is about us as individuals. Each of us go through seasons. We all go through experiences of life. And just as God is able to keep the church as a whole, He is able to keep you as an individual. Job proves it to us. We understand what happened to Job. The whole story of Job. Job is a righteous man. Job every morning had his time with God. Offered his sacrifices for himself and for his children. The Bible says he offered sacrifices for his children just in case he probably knew his kids pretty well. Just in case today they decided to be a knucklehead. As parents, we probably should offer more sacrifices just in case. We should probably pray a few more prayers just in case. Amen? But this feeds into the description of Job as a righteous man. And you know the story. I'll, I'll, I'll recount it at the, the high level. We'll hit the high points. Satan's going to and fro on the earth, trying to find people to mess with. I'm paraphrasing. Because he's a loser and all he wants to do is mess with people. See, I told you I was paraphrasing. And he ends up before the throne of God. God says, you know, what about Job? I think it's interesting that Satan didn't say, well, who's Job? Never, never heard of him. He's like, I can't touch Job. The context I'm gathering from that, from that response is, I know who Job is. I know where Job lives. I've been to Job's house, and I've tried to mess with Job, but I can't get to him. 
How many times has Satan stopped by your house and he said, I want to mess with you, but we don't even know what God's been doing. God's put a hedge of protection around us. God's guarded us. And Satan's gone before the throne of God and said, well, what about, and God said, well, what about Saint so-and-so? And, and, and Satan's been like, I've been to their house. I've tried and I've tried, but you've got a hedge of protection around them. I thank God today for his protection. I thank God for all the stuff I don't know about. I thank God for all the times he's protected me when I didn't know he protected me. I thank God for all the times he's healed me and I didn't even realize he healed me. I thank God for all the times that he set a path and direction in my life that I didn't even realize he was ordaining my steps. God says, well, what about Job? Well, I can't touch Job. God says, all right. I'll remove the hedge. You know, Job did not ignore his pain or his hurt. When he lost all of his wealth, he lost all of his children. Even his wife turned her back on him and on their God. Job, you might as well curse God and die. She gave up on Job. She'd given up on God. She was at the point of despair. And Job, he didn't ignore his pain, nor did he ignore his hurt. He didn't try to hide it. In fact, he was very public about it. Job just said, I'm going to surrender to the will and plan of God. He refused to become bitter. He refused to lose his thankfulness. There's a catchphrase that floats through society every now and then. Well, that person has the patience of Job. I don't, I, Lord, help me, but I want the thankfulness of Job. I want the thankfulness of Job. I want the thankfulness when it seems like everything is gone and it's at its worst moment. I can still find cause and still find reason to be thankful. We can be thankful. In the midst of uncertainty. We can be thankful in the midnight hours of our darkness. We can be thankful in every season of our life. And if you're in those dark moments today. You can be thankful even today. Because of the goodness of God. When Satan, when Satan thought that he was just testing Job's love for God. The reality was God was demonstrating Job's love for him. What the earthly perception would say was a test, God was saying is an exhibition. What we would say is a trial, God was saying was a demonstration. What we would say was tribulation in Job's life, God was saying, I'm proving it 100%. So if God found you worthy of the trial, He didn't put you there to destroy you. God didn't put you there to break you down. God didn't put you there so that you would fall apart. God put you there because he trusts you and he knows you. And he has full confidence that you're going to prove all the doubters wrong. And because of that, I can look at God and say, I don't like it. and I don't understand it. But in the midst of it, I'm going to be thankful. You say, well, that's crazy. Well, the apostles said they counted it worthy to suffer the persecutions for Christ. So if we stay thankful even through the dark seasons, God does not allow the tribulation or the trouble to consume us. He brings us through. And this is the reason for our subject today. Thankful in every season. In our humanity, we think right now is forever. That's our human way of thinking. We think life's situations right now are how it's set for eternity. And sometimes it looks like that's how it is for eternity. 
But we're looking from inside the bubble, and we have a God who's working on the outside of the bubble. Amen? I want to tell you today, don't be consumed by all of the darkness. Let God work the way that He wants to work. Stay thankful in your heart. Stay willing to be submissive to God in all that you're doing. Keep following Him. Keep falling in love with Him. Let your heart stay meek. Let your spirit stay mild. Fall in love with Jesus over and over and over again. Don't let the trial become a separation between you and God. But hold on in this season because it's going to change. I can tell you with confidence, it's going to change. There's a season for planting. There's a season for growing. There's a season for harvesting. And there's a season for resting. And we all go through different seasons at different times and all the different aspects of our life. I want to challenge us to change our perspective. Don't say this is the way it is. Say, this is the season I'm in. This is the season I'm in. Just had a verse pop in my head. I don't know where it's at, so you don't have to look it up, Wayne. But it's in Genesis chapter 1. And it's through the creation. And as God's creating, it's in the first few verses. It says, and he created it to cause the morning and the evening and all the different seasons. Now that's important. Because that means we don't define the beginning nor the ending of our season. Can I tell you something? If you ran outside, I don't know, let's pick a month, June, and you got you a ladder and you climbed up in a tree and you pulled every leaf off and threw it on the ground, it doesn't make it autumn. It's still summer. You probably just damaged the tree. Just because we're in a season of life and we think we can change the situations that are going on in the season of life, doesn't end the season. God controls the seasons. And so we must leave it in His hand when He brings us into a season and when He takes us out of a season. It's in His hand. It's in His control. He's the master. He, he set all of this in our world into control. And if He controls all of it to the, the smallest minute detail... Of when the sugar levels in trees increase and decrease to change their color and the cause leaves to fall. God's pretty detailed, huh? He's not really worried about what we're going through. He's not overwhelmed by what we're going through. This season is simply a season. And we'll let God bring it in. And we'll let God take it out. Amen? John chapter 11, verse 41. Sometimes things happen in dark seasons and we don't, we don't fully understand what's happening. Jesus is standing in front of the tomb. Not just any tomb, but the tomb of his friend, Lazarus. And here's what he says in verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, that is Lazarus. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, he begins to pray. And these are the opening words of Jesus' prayer. I thank you that you have heard me. Can we take the principle here? Can we apply this principle to our life? You could be standing in front of the place of dead. And you still have a reason to be thankful. You can simply say, Lord, I'm thankful that you hear me. I'm thankful that you hear me. 
nothing else is right. It all seems completely messed up. But I have this one confidence today. I'm thankful that you hear me. It was at the tomb of his friend Jesus, or his friend Lazarus, that Jesus still demonstrated thankfulness. Despite the emotion, despite the surroundings, despite past actions, despite accusations, despite the talking and the murmuring. All right, let's get practical. Let's step into the situation. Word had been to Jesus a few days earlier. Hey, Lazarus isn't doing well. And in God's timing, he delayed. Lazarus dies. And Jesus, he's talked about three days rising up, three days resurrected. When he gets here, who knows, maybe, maybe this stuff he's talking about, maybe he's done on Lazarus. Jesus shows up on day four. Well, it wasn't that. They meet him. Jesus, if you'd have been here. Retroactive faith. It's the greatest faith ever. We all believe Jesus could have done it. Every single one of us in here has 100% retroactive faith. After the situation's gone and passed and all of it's fallen apart, we all believe if Jesus would have shown up earlier, he could have fixed it. That's easy faith to have because it's not practical faith. If you'd have been here, the accusation, people are talking. What a warm welcome. What a warm welcome. Hey, I'm here, guys. Yeah, well, you'd have been here sooner. Then he starts saying crazy stuff like, well, where's he buried him? Let's all go over there. No, Jesus, we've already mourned. We've already wrapped him in his grave clothes. We've already anointed his body. We've already had the memorial. We've already sung the songs. We've already hired all the people to come and mourn. We've already done all of it. He's in the tomb. The stone's been rolled over. It's been sealed. He's starting to stink. We've already paid the mourners. The flowers are starting to die. Why do you want to bring us all relive it again? You can go visit it on your way out of town. Get some all around. He makes the absurd request. Somebody roll the stone away. Lord, he stinks. Lord, it's four days. You know the custom. You know the practice. You know the reality. Day one, day two, day three, we can handle it. Day four, there's a reason there's a stone there. There's a reason it's sealed. People are talking. What's he doing? Why does he want to do this? People are crying. People are mourning. You get the situation. In the middle of all of this negative energy, this negative perspective, this negative light on life, Jesus says, I'm still thankful that you hear me. I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter what the naysayers are neighing. It doesn't matter what the doubters are pushing on you. It doesn't matter what the murmuring is saying. It doesn't matter what all the voices and the noise that they're making. You hear me today. In your darkest moment, you can look to God and you can pray to God and you can be thankful that He hears your prayer. In the middle of your darkest moment, you can still have an attitude of thankfulness. You can be thankful in every season. I'm moving towards a close. Let's go to Romans chapter 1. I feel obligated today just 
just to shed a little bit of light on the other side. I hope I've encouraged you today to be thankful. I hope I've given you at least three reasons to be thankful for God. He's good, His mercy endures forever, and He hears you. But what happens to those people who fall into unthankfulness? Let's read what happens in Romans chapter 1, verses 21 through 25. Because that when they knew God... They glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanliness through the lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Let me quickly just tell you today, the depths of despair and the depths of ungodliness are the result of unthankfulness. We see it in the church. People become unthankful. They become grumblers. They become complainers. They become busybodies. And it's not very long that unthankfulness takes them on the slow fade, slower and or further and further away from the Lord. But it's not just in the church. We can look in our society as a whole. The basic principles of order in our society are based upon the moral code of God. But when you begin to reject God, you begin to reject the customs of God, you reject that God even exists. Society has plunged into the depths of despair and we live in an ungodly society now. How did we get there? A lack of thankfulness. You're going to say this is a petty example, and it probably is. But in its pettiness, it screams loud. When's the last time you did something kind for somebody? I don't know. Let them go in line in front of you at the grocery store or get in line in front of you at the stoplight because they're blocking nine lanes of traffic or whatever. And you got a thank you or a sign of appreciation. Most of the time you just get a dirty look like, why are you in my way to start with? It's even in the simplest of things in life. Our society has lost their gratitude, has lost their thankfulness. No wonder they've become so so self-absorbed with me. Me, 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 me. The only thing greater than me is I. Because there's unthankfulness. And it's deteriorating and deteriorating and deteriorating our society. And we've seen the results of a society that has become unthankful. And we must guard our hearts. We see the extreme society, the extreme difference in society because of unthankfulness. I'm not telling you today that you're going to go outside and not be thankful because some small deal and backslide and all of that. But I'm telling you, unthankfulness is a seed that gets planted in the heart of man. And if we begin to find the reasons why we're not thankful, we begin to find offense. We begin to find bitterness. We begin to find doubt. We begin to question beyond the normal of questioning. We question with the intent to prove offense. We're on a road. A road that we don't like. You won't like where that's headed. You won't like where that ends up. We must guard our our heart from the unthankfulness that leads to deception, foolishness. And as it grows, it leads us into worldly lust and the lies of idolatry and the worship of idols. 
What am I telling you today? I'm telling you in everything, be thankful. In every season of your life, be thankful. I wonder if you'll stand with me this morning. I think God's telling us, don't lose your thankfulness. He's going to see you through. Don't lose your thankfulness. He's the light that's still shining on the other side of the darkness. Don't lose your thankfulness. He is the prince of peace. And because of these things, you have reason to be thankful in this season. The posture of thankfulness or thanksgiving in our hearts will transcend our time on earth. Being thankful now pays off in the end. Revelations 11 and 17, and this is my closing verse. Saying, we give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty. These are those gathered around in heaven. We give you thanks, O Lord God Almighty, the one who is, who was, who is to come. Because you have taken your great power and reigned. Let me tell you what's going to happen when we get to heaven. We're going to show thanksgiving. We're going to show appreciation. We're going to be thankful. Heaven will be a massive thank you party. Trust me, you won't be lounging in your mansion somewhere just enjoying iced tea and macaroons. I don't know. You won't be walking around fountains, golden fountains, and watching crystal clear water. You won't just be enamored with the glory and the splendor of the walls and the gates and the streets. No, we're going to find ourselves at the feet of our Lord and Savior. We're going to find ourselves around the throne with the elders and the angels. And it won't be a chorus of why this and why that. No, it will be a never-ending song of gratitude and appreciation. It will be a never-ending song of thanks to the Great One, to the King of Kings and to the Lord of Lords, to the God of O gods, the One who rules and reigns, who was and is and is to come, who's the same forever who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who does not change. The one who is the constant. So I tell you today, if you want to join in the choir of thanksgiving, you can begin in this moment. You begin in this hour today of showing your gratitude to God, of showing your thankfulness to God. It may be dark, it may be weary, you may be tired, but find something down inside your soul today and express thankfulness to God because you can be thankful in every season. Thank you for listening to the LifeSpring Church podcast. Join us in person on Sundays at 11 a.m. Visit us online at lifespringchurch.us.